Welcome to this week's teaching from Exchange Church in the heart of Belfast. Well, it's good to be with you. As Stevie said, Andrew and Penny are away. You, health and safety. Health and safety. Thank you. Um, Andrew and Penny are away, so uh, good to um, hear somebody different and uh, encourage ourselves. Uh, God's going to speak this morning. Um, but I have, to, I have to confess a problem that I have uh, every time that I come to preach. Um, it's something that Ryan and I have talked about. It's a big problem, actually, whenever I preach. Um, I can't use the, the headset mic. It's a big problem. See, when you have a beard and you're so masculine, it just, <laughs> it scratches, do you know? And see, for the audio guys, they just can't stand it. So uh, there's a price to pay for being so masculine, isn't it, Stevie? As he says with his floral iPad cover and his pink shirt. Um, do you know what Lauren bought me this shirt <laughs> yesterday? And uh, she came home and said, I got you a red shirt. I got you a really nice red shirt. So I pulled it out of the bag. I said, that's pink, love. Um, she said it was red in the shop, I swear, red in the shop. So we're going to talk this morning about stepping in when you don't feel confident. I'm stepping in with this pink shirt this morning. I still have the tag on the back, so we'll see how we go. Uh, no, we are, we are carrying on our Acts series about how God uses men and women who are completely ordinary. When the Holy Spirit fills people to overflow, life is totally different for them. They are radically transformed. And what we've heard already from Stevie preaching and Penny as well, is that God reaches into the deepest moments of your life and has, as we heard last week from Penny, pulls you up out of the pit so that you can do the same for other people. That's what this series is about. And the undertone of today is about how God can birth the miraculous in you no matter what opposition you face, no matter what comes against you, no matter what setback that you face, you can bounce back and you can move forward no matter what's going on, okay? So this is what we're listening about today. So I've called it from setback to bounce back. And it's about how we adapt to change and about how Jesus gets to the root of our issues, but we still have life in our hands and we still have life in our hearts to give to people, to bless people, for us to see the fullness of God, no matter what's going on. So that's the, the direction we're headed. So we'll pick up from where we were last week. If you remember, the lame man was healed, radically transformed. He could then all of a sudden walk and he'd encountered God's grace. What happens after that? In Acts chapter 4 is the Sanhedrin, the Sadducees, they are livid because there's a miracle that has happened. They're proclaiming Jesus. And what they do in Acts 4 is they call Peter and John in and they say, lads, pack it in, would you? That, there's enough of that, okay? We can't be preaching about Jesus. So they try a bit of a soft approach, but they warn them, you can't do it. And what Peter and John say in Acts 4, verse 12, they say, salvation is found in no one else, for there's no other name by which men must be saved. And they say that we, we can't help but speaking about what we've seen and what we've heard. So what we see in this story is all of a sudden the opposition is starting. They've proclaimed who God is. They've performed a miracle. They said he's good all of the time. And here's the message of Jesus. And the opposition comes. And it starts with the Sanhedrin. They come against them. But what it says in verse 13 in Acts 4, we're going to talk from Acts 5, but in Acts 4, just to set the scene, it says that when they saw the courage of Peter and John and realized they were unschooled, ordinary men, they were astonished and they took note that these men had been with Jesus. You can have all of the wisdom in the world. You can have all the experience of the world. You can have everything that the Sadducees and the Sanhedrin thought that they had. But see, when you've been with Jesus, see, when you've encountered him in a powerful way, you have more than anybody else. No matter what their experience is, no matter what they say to you, no matter what, how smart they appear, you have more when you have Jesus. And you will astonish people by how your life is coming to fruition and the things that happen and how you move forward. So they saw that they were unschooled, ordinary men. Now, it doesn't mean they were stupid. It doesn't mean that Peter and John were stupid. It meant that they hadn't embraced the legalistic, pharisaical way of life. They hadn't grew up with that at all. So it's not saying that they're stupid and dumb, okay? So breathe a sigh of relief. That's not what it's saying. It's saying that God will use you no matter your experience, okay? And they came against that. And people will be astonished when you have Jesus. 
So we're going to read from Acts 5 in terms of the context. So it's from verse 14. So get your Bibles out or your smartphones or whatever else you use. Um, We're going to read from verse 14. And it says, And more than ever, believers were added to the Lord, multitudes of both men and women, so that even they carried out the sick into the streets and laid them on cots and mats, that as Peter came by, at least his shadow might fall on some of them. The people also gathered from the towns around Jerusalem, bringing the sick and those afflicted with unclean spirits, and they were all healed. But the high priest rose up, and all who were with him, that is the Sadducees, filled with jealousy, they arrested the apostles and put them in the public prison. But during the night, an angel of the Lord opened the prison doors and brought them out and said, go and stand in the temple and speak to the people all the words of this life. And when they heard this, they entered the temple at daybreak and began to teach. Now what happens is the Pharisees then see them again, or the Sadducees see them again, and they bring them before them and said, we told you not to, we told you not to do this. And it says in verse 27, and when they brought them in again, they set them before the council. So this is all of the apostles, not just Peter and John now. And the high priest questioned them saying, we strictly charge you not to teach in his name, Yet here you are, here you fill Jerusalem with your teaching, and you intend to bring this man's blood upon us. But Peter and the apostles answered, we must obey God rather than men. And he then goes on a spiel and talks about how the God of our fathers raised Jesus, whom you killed by hanging him on a tree. God exalted him at the right hand as leader and savior to give repentance to Israel and forgiveness of sins. And we are witnesses to these things, and so is the Holy Spirit whom God has given to those who obey him. So the miraculous is now the norm for these apostles. Miracles are happening, miraculous reactions, boldness. The apostles are beginning to submerge themselves into Zoe life, life in all of its fullness. But the context here is after they start to do this, a radical life totally transformed. All of a sudden, you have apostles like Peter, who was terrified of owning up that he knew Jesus. They're standing, boldly proclaiming that we have to obey God rather than what you say. Miraculous is the norm. I mean, the passage just skims over the fact that they were put in prison and an angel decides to let them out. It doesn't even make a big deal of it. That's how normal this is. That all of it, yeah, put me in prison, sure, an angel will open the door, no problem. That's how normal this life is. But opposition rises up and challenges them to stop doing what they're doing. See, in this life, when you proclaim Jesus, when you live a life of faith, when you believe that God is above all things, for all things, with you, you will face opposition. There is an enemy, folks, who does prowl around and doesn't want you to live according to your purpose. He doesn't want you to live up with your eyes up, fixed on who God is. He will do everything to derail you. But the apostles had a choice here. And what God had done in their heart was he had built resilience in them. Resilience is that bounce back ability to keep going in the middle of adversity, in the middle of difficulty, in the middle of obstacles. It's this ability to bounce back no matter what your setback is. Because in this story, we'll cover the last part of it once they were in with the Sanhedrin. They were put in prison. They were then beaten. They were actually last, the 39 lashes. They were, that happened before they were set free. But they decided that they were going to bounce back despite a setback. Resilience is the process and the outcome of successfully adapting to difficult or challenging life experiences, especially through mental, emotional, and behavioral flexibility and adjustment to external and internal demands. So the stuff that goes on out here and the stuff that goes on in here, it's your ability to adjust and keep going no matter what, to keep believing, to keep declaring, to keep proclaiming, and that's what had been birthed in the apostles, not just the, I'm going to heal this person, as incredible as that is, but this ability that no matter what comes my way, I am bouncing back from a setback. And you know what? See if you have faced 
a setback in your life if you have faced a difficult time and the reality is that's all of us. God wants to shorten the distance between the setback and you bouncing back from this. He wants to shorten the time that all of a sudden you're ready to pivot and go again no matter what happens. And this is what had been built in the apostles. Resilience is this, if you think about objects, it's the power or ability of a material to return to its original form or position. Something after being bent, it just goes back into position. Something when it's compressed, think of an elastic band, think of a tree, palm tree in the storm, it goes to the wind and snaps back into position. It's also those that aren't affected by the elements. So think of a strong oak tree, a storm doesn't do anything to it. That's what resilience is. It's no matter what weather, no matter what comes my way, I'm fixed in position or I snap straight back, ready to keep doing what, I'm, what I've been made to do. And as I said, the ability of a person to adjust or recover readily from illness, adversity, major life changes. Think of buoyancy. Think of a ship on the ocean as the pressure pushes it down, the water pushes it and it stays in position. It doesn't sink. That's, that's what resilience is. No matter what outward pressures, no matter what outward forces come against you, I'm fixed in position, doing exactly what he has made me to do. Keep going. And this is what the apostles had. So this is what we're talking about today. The incredible ability to have resilience and bounce back no matter what. See, in this passage, there are two forces at work with the, the Sadducees and with the apostles. It's a picture of law and a picture of grace. It's this, the Sanhedrin having a punishment mentality and the two forces are fear versus love. So what happens in this story is the Sadducees, they were afraid. It talks about how they were jealous of the apostles, jealous of their success, jealous of what God was doing. And jealousy, is a, at the root of it is a fear, a fear of I'm not good enough a fear of I'm going to be abandoned, a fear of I can't partake in this, they have this and we'll never have this. So the jealousy that they had was rooted in fear, a fear of loss, abandonment, rejection. And the Sadducees wanted to punish the apostles. See, the law, the law calls you to account and says, here's all the things you've done and puts you in a metaphorical prison, let's say, because you've wronged God, you couldn't meet the standard and here's how it'll respond. And the Sadducees responded by putting them in prison, telling them what not to do, calling to, to account for their behavior, and trying to punish them, to almost punish out the bad behavior. If we put these guys in prison, if we lash them, they'll stop. It's a punishment mentality. And what they were trying to do, they're, they're a punishment mentality, it was actually a means of controlling their own fear. We will feel better by punishing the disciples and we'll prove to ourselves wrongly that what they're doing is totally wrong because they wanted to feel better. They wanted to control the outcome for the apostles as a way of managing their own fear that actually they weren't living as God wanted them to, but they couldn't own up to that. But what happens is in their attempt to manage their own fear is the passage is about grace as well. The law puts you in prison, tells you what you've done, tells you what you shouldn't do, but grace simply opens the door and frees you from the prison. And you know what the incredible thing about this story is? They did something to be put in prison. They didn't need to do anything to get out. Nothing at all. The angel just opened up the door and said, you're free. That's the picture of grace. Folks, you're in prison metaphorically. Spiritually, we're dead. Jesus comes and opens the door and says, walk free and proclaim this full message. He doesn't give you a 10-point plan. He doesn't say that your behavior now must be X, Y, and Z. The punishment mentality of the Sadducees was focusing on behavior, trying to control their own fear as a means of controlling the outcome. Do you know sometimes we do that ourselves? We have this punishment mentality of we try and put ourselves down because of our behavior, because we're not living up to the standard that we thought God had for us, because we have a setback, we didn't plan on it, we're in a bit of despair, and we adopt a punishment mentality. It's actually called the punishment paradigm, Danny Silk from Bethel. Um, in his book, Unpunishable. If you're taking notes, note that down. Unpunishable by Danny Silk. This punishment mentality is we focus on I'm not good enough. We focus on the fact that I need to be punished. And actually, we sometimes put ourselves in these metaphorical prisons. And we say, but I just didn't have breakthrough in this area. I'm not good enough. God's not moving. But you see, the, the apostles, they decided 
that they are no longer led by fear. They're no longer led by a punishment mentality because God's love, his perfect love, casts out all fear. And actually, it says in 1 John 4 that punishment has to do, fear has to do with punishment. So they no longer had this in their hearts. That's why they could stand and say, we must obey God rather than men. Because if you're being led by fear, Sadducees, that's not of God. Because he doesn't lead me in fear. He opens the door and says, away you go. Proclaim the goodness of God. Free of charge, no strings attached. Your behavior doesn't all of a sudden need to be perfect. You don't all of a sudden need to have it all together. As Stevie was talking about with the drinking and the smoking. It's not about that. It's about saying as Jesus opens the door, I'm walking into what he has for me, which is fullness and life, no matter what I've done. So the Pharisees, the Sadducees, I keep calling them the Pharisees, there is a difference. They were continually all about this fear to try and control their own outcomes and control themselves. But see if the apostles had decided that they were going to live like that. The last time that Peter was in the temple courts before now, he was denying Jesus. If he was going to live like this, if he was going to adopt a punishment mentality, then he was not qualified to be back in the temple courts because the last time he was there, he rejected God completely. That's what happened the last time he was in the temple. So he could have said, I'm not qualified. The way we do this sometimes with a punishment mentality, I, I didn't have a breakthrough in that area. I don't qualify for your blessings. Peter was prime example. The next time he stood in the temple to say, I shouldn't be here. Because the last time I was here, I rejected Jesus. But the angel comes and opens the door and says, go again. In grace, go again. You have another chance to keep going. And that's what this is about today. Resilience is building strength in you to keep going and keep believing no matter what comes against you. We sometimes punish ourselves because of experience. But let me tell you something. Punishment and shame will never bring about a change of nature. It will never work. Only grace does that. It breaks the change. Breaks the change, sorry. But Peter answered in verse 29, but we must obey God rather than men. God doesn't deal in fear and punishment. So see if you have people around you who are conditional in their love towards you, if they try and say to you, don't believe that, and they come down on you, if they're in opposition to tell you to stop believing for the goodness of God, then they're not displaying the character of God, and they have not had a revelation of the Father, because God doesn't deal in punishment. He doesn't deal in fear. He deals in grace, and chance after chance after chance after chance after chance. So see if you have suffered a setback today. If you're not where you thought you were going to be, if not where you want to be, then this is for you, because God wants to build a bounce-back ability in you that actually the distance between setback and bounce-back is so much shorter. Legalism is totally afraid. It's concerned with performance. It's afraid of what men think. And the threat of rejection to be influenced by what others think of us is a real challenge. And the Sadducees had that. The only reason they did not stone the apostles is because it says they were afraid of what the men were thinking. They were afraid of what the people thought in the town. So they were being led by this fear and it totally meant that they did not live according to what they were made for. The apostles heard the voices against them, but they chose not to be influenced by it. I, when we said recently in one of our podcasts that you, you don't get to decide who speaks around you. You don't get to decide how loud the voices are around you. You don't get to decide who tries to distract you. You don't get to decide any of that, but you get to decide how much you're influenced by the voices around you, by how much you're influenced by your family, by how, touchy subject, by how much you're influenced by your friends, by how much you're influenced by the people who come against you, you get to decide how much of an influence they're gonna be. And the apostles decided, they made the choice with the Holy Spirit in them, but they weren't possessed to do this. They made the choice and said, I am obeying God rather than men. I am made for a purpose and I am going to keep going no matter what, no matter what you say, no matter what you do to try and derail me. Those who deal in fear and punishment are not displaying the character of God. 
Distance yourself from those who deal in fear and punishment. Distance yourself from those who deal in that because that is not of God. Listen to the voices that build you up. Listen to the word of God that builds you up and says, despite what you're thinking, feeling, experiencing, my love holds you and I don't deal in fear. So let yourself off the hook and allow yourself when Jesus opens the prison door for you as he did when he saved you, but in a certain area of your life, walk out, folks, and don't just sit there thinking about all of the things that's happened and how you didn't meet the standard. Jesus says the door is open. Keep going again in grace. Proclaim my goodness. That's what he says. You don't get to decide. You don't get to choose what happens to you, but you get to choose what happens in you. Okay? You don't get to decide what goes on around here, the circumstances, the people, the voices, but you get to choose what happens in here. And that's your choice. And the apostles made their stand and they said, we're obeying God because he's the one who brings life. He's the one that is bringing us to our purpose. He is the one that has said to us, we're going to Judea, Samaria, the ends of the earth, and we ain't there yet. So we're still moving forward in life. So we have to obey God. Any opposition in your life brings an opportunity. Anytime you have a setback, anytime you have a difficulty, it's an opportunity for three different things. It's an opportunity for growth in your life, in your character, in your nature. It's an opportunity for growth. Obstacles are opportunities for increase. They're also, obstacles are also opportunities for people to encounter God's grace. I had a look at some of the ones that I could think of anyway, most of them. Any other time that anybody is in prison in the Bible, and the outcome off the back of it. So we've got the apostles here in Acts 5. They're set free. They go to the temple courts. They preach again. People come to know God. People encounter grace. Thought about Daniel in the lion's den. Shut the mouths of lions so that the king, so that the, the whole kingdom radically transformed. I thought about Joseph in prison. In prison for far longer than he wanted to be. But all of a sudden, God brings increase in his life. Act 16, which we'll hear about in a few weeks, Paul and Silas, you'll know the story, singing praises to God in prison and all of a sudden a powerful earthquake and the jailer and his entire family transformed because they had an encounter with God's grace. Every opposition is an opportunity for you to grow in your character, to increase in your life, for God to promote you to another level and also for people to encounter grace. So by a, by a show of hands, don't show me your hands. In your heart, who's going through an obstacle? Yes, I am. Who's coming up against me saying, don't believe that, God's not real. Who's telling themselves that sometimes we do that? Every obstacle is an opportunity for your growth. It's an opportunity for you to grow in the goodness of God, the love of God, the character of God, so that you're ready for the next thing. So that you can stand and say, I'm not giving up. I'm keeping believing, even when the voices come against me, even when they tell me it's no good. Stop believing. Stop having faith. God's not done it yet, so he's never going to do it. Stand firm. I will obey God rather than men. I will remain resilient like an oak tree in the middle of a storm, and I won't let it move me. Physical obstacles will require you to adapt, climb higher, get stronger. They'll require you to keep going. The apostles actually suffered physical damage in this story. They were beaten. They experienced a delay, a distraction, a setback, but they kept going. And because a setback forces you to rely fully on God. Any stress in your life, anything that's going on will cause you to rely on him and build your character. See, when I go to the gym, I was going to say whenever Andrew and I go to the gym, but it never really took off, did it? So um, whenever, <laughs> he's going to be like, I dead on, just wait, he's going to try for a couple of weeks. He'll be pumping iron now on his holiday. He'll be going mad. Um, whenever you go to the gym and you lift heavy weights on your hands, you can't really see them, you'll develop what's called calluses on your hands, okay? It's where the skin becomes hardened because the stress of the weight, it's sore, it hurts. You know, those who go to the gym, you'll know that. And what happens is it, you build a layer of hardened skin over your, your calluses here so that when you lift the heavy weight and the stress on your body, you can do it without pain if your calluses are managed right. 
you can lift heavier weight than before. You won't experience the pain and you'll be able to lift heavier, get stronger. Any sort of stress, physiological, any sort of stress, emotionally, obstacles, they're building strength in you. I think I said this last time I was preaching as well. It's building character in you so that any stress that comes against you, I obey God, I get stronger despite the stress. And then I can carry the next load. God can carry it for me, but I can deal with it. I can embrace it. I remain resilient so that I bounce back from any setback. That's what happens. I have to get a gym reference in there. It's just part of the, part of the, part of the course now, do you know? Um, in 2 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 8 to 11, it's the message now. It says, we don't want you in the dark, friends, about how hard it was when all of this came down on us in Asia province. This is some of the suffering that Paul experienced, likely in Ephesus. It was so bad, we didn't think we were going to make it. We felt like we'd been sent to death row, that it was all over for us. As it turned out, it was the best thing that could have happened. Instead of trusting in our own strength or wits to get out of it, we were forced to rely and trust totally on God. Not a bad idea since he's the God who raises the dead. And if he did it, rescued us from certain doom and he'll do it again. Rescuing us as many times as we need rescuing. And he did it, rescued us from certain doom, and he'll do it again, rescuing us as many times as we need rescuing. That was the heart of the apostles in Acts 5. Now, this is Paul. This is way before Paul's time in Acts 5. But that was their heart. God's rescued us before. He saved us from the life of being a fisherman. He saved me from the career that I had that was nowhere near what God had for me. And he put me here. So Sadducees, you can come against me. You can say, stop believing this, stop doing this. But he has rescued me before. So he will rescue me again. That is who he is. God is a God who raised the dead. When I'm in a situation that appears dead, when I'm at the end of the line... I remember that God raised the dead. So any earthly situation that I'm sitting in right now, any obstacle that's come against me, any disappointment, setback that I have faced, remember he's a God who raised the dead. He's above earthly situations. He's above earthly circumstances. Know that when you're in a fight, when you're out of energy, when you're met with an obstacle, an interruption, a delay, this is where God excels. This is where he gets to work because he's a God who raised the dead. God is not hindered or limited by my situation. He's not a human that he's limited. I'll go one better than that. He became a human and placed limitations on himself and still conquered death. That's the type of God he is. He put himself completely, disabled himself from, he had all authority on heaven and earth, sure, but he put himself in a physical body and still conquered death. He's not limited by your limitations. He's not limited by sometimes we don't have all of the belief in the world. He's not limited by that. He continues, he raised the dead. You may be going through an obstacle today. You may have someone coming against you, a situation coming against you, and it may be difficult. There's no denying that it can be difficult at times to keep believing when you're not seeing the results, to keep trusting that God is gonna move. The apostles were in that situation, how do we keep believing when we're placed in prison here? We've been threatened that we're going to be killed. We've been beaten. How do we keep believing in these moments? When you come up against an obstacle, you just have to choose, keep going. Whenever you come up against an obstacle, I don't care if you have to slow down to a walking pace. I don't care if you need to crawl under it. You need to climb over it. It takes you a little bit of time to get over it. You might need to take a step back and go around it. it you might be delayed. You might arrive later than you thought. But make a decision to keep moving forward, whatever that looks like for you. Whenever I go climbing in the Moran Mountains, you come, again, lots of rough terrain, lots of things happen, and you, sometimes you go to climb over certain rocks or certain wherever you are, and the terrain's not right. But I don't stop for a few hours and go, oh, I just have to turn around here, what a waste of a day that was. No, I look for how do I get round it? Some days I'm feeling really good, young and hip and great, and I just smash through it, and I jump over it, and I'm, away I go. Other days I'm not so sure of myself. I'm not as confident. I don't care whether you need to slow down, whether you need to crawl through it, walk through it, jump over it, whether you've got all the faith in the world to smash through it, you keep 
moving. And God has grace for you, whether you're crawling, jumping, walking. God has grace for you in any situation you're in. But keep moving forward. Listen to the voice of God, which says, I'm good all of the time. I haven't finished yet because we're not at the end. The apostles knew we're going to Judea, we're going to Samaria, we're going to the ends of the earth. And that's why they could say, God's bringing us through this. Because the last time I checked, I'm still in the temple courts. I'm not in Samaria yet. I'm not at the ends of the earth yet. So they knew God had promised them something. So he wasn't finished. God has made promises to you and made promises in your life and he's not finished with you yet. The apostles were set free. I must go with my time. The, the apostles were set free for fullness. And this is a key part for those who are going through setback. Verse 20, it says, go stand and continue to tell the people in the temple courtyards the whole message of this life. The word in Greek for whole is actually, it's full. Go and tell them the full message. That's the one thing that the angel said to them. The disciples were set free from prison for a reason. It wasn't for their safety reasons or their comfort reasons. It wasn't so they could feel really good they were set free from prison and then just live a mediocre life. They were set free for a purpose. When God commences a work in your spirit, when he renews your spirit man to live for him, it is not for your comfort. It's not so you have a cushy life and say, how great is life? Life with Jesus is life in all of its fullness. Folks, let me just be very, very, very clear about that. I'm not preaching from the front that, oh, and the Lord is gonna bring suffering upon you all and it's gonna be awful to the day that you die. No, it's life in its fullness. But it's not so you can be comfortable and just coast through life. You want something that challenges you, that stimulates you. And you know what? That's going after God. That's going after his presence. That's going after what he's placed in you, the Holy Spirit, to do more than you could ever ask or imagine. That's life in its fullness. That's what he has for you. So if you're facing a setback, he set you free for a reason. He said to the apostles, go back to the temple and preach the full message of Jesus. Some of us have been in a setback. We have encountered sickness, disappointment, relationship breakdown. We've encountered all of that. And all of a sudden, we decide, I encountered sickness. I don't know if God's my healer. I encountered relationship breakdown. I don't know if God can work in those relationships. I encountered financial difficulties. I'm not so sure if he's a provider. I'll just stay away from that revelation for a while. I'll keep talking about all the other stuff that he is, but I'll just stay away from there. The angel said, preach the full message. Don't shrink back just because there's an obstacle. Yes, we're in prison. How do we end up here? Is God gonna free us from this? How did we get here? The angel opens the door and says, go back again and preach the full message. No matter your setback, no matter your disappointment, God's nature has not changed. That's why I can stand here this morning and say, God is my healer. God is my stronghold. God is my provider. God is the one who will bring me through to the next thing and the next thing and the next thing. And we ain't finished yet. That's why you can say that because that's who he is. Despite your circumstance, despite whatever setback you've been through. We often seek self-preservation. We want to protect ourselves because of the disappointment. We want to protect ourselves because of the situation we've been in. And that is the punishment mentality coming back again. If I control my own fear, if I control the outcome, if I decide I'm not going to believe for fullness, then I don't get disappointed in case it doesn't happen. God says, keep believing. Dare again to believe despite your obstacle, despite what you've walked through that he's with you at all times and he's not finished with you yet. Galatians 5 verse 1 in the message says, Christ has set us free to live a free life. So take your stand. Never again, never again let anyone put a harness of slavery on you. Whether spiritually, when they say you've got to earn your salvation, you've got to work for it, or whether people come against you and say, don't believe for that, God's not like that. Don't let people put a harness of slavery on you. You have been set free to live free, to take a stand, bounce back ability, 
no matter what the setback is, take your stand and keep believing. Don't shrink back. Years ago, before I was uh, overwhelmingly su- successful and before I owned a petrol lawnmower, I had, I had a flymo, an elect- electrical flymo, you know, that's before my days of success. And what um, I used to do is I used to drive to my father-in-law's house and I used to pick up the, law, the petrol lawnmower that he had, drive all the way back to the house, cut the grass, and I had to take it all the way back. It was an absolute nightmare. Do you know, talk about poverty. What awful it was. First world problems. But then we, we bought a shed, you know, oh, bought a shed, and it was quite something because you could then store not the lawnmower in it, just all the other stuff that Lauren wanted to buy for the garden. But you, you then store, I store it there. I've got stuff now to garden at, under duress when Lauren d- demands I must go and garden. Um, but we have this, we have a full shed now. We moved from a flymo, we got a petrol lawnmower. It's, it's absolutely fantastic. So there's no point of me having this petrol lawnmower, having this shed, and still storing it in my father-in-law's house. There's no point when I have access to something greater, something more effective in my life, to cut the grass, to please my wife. And there's no point having that and continuing the old pattern of life. I now have access to store tools, to store things that make my home friendlier, nicer, to make my wife happier. Do you know, there's no point when I have access to something greater going back to the old way of life. The apostles had something far greater in their hearts. The Holy Spirit had changed their nature, changed their behavior, changed their outlook on life. There is no point Peter deciding, I'm going back to be a fisherman here because this is just too hard. The the persecution, the obstacles, too hard. No, they had a vision in their life to keep going. We now have access to the Holy Spirit, all of his fullness, and he's stored in here. He's right here deep down in my very inner man and he's with me at all times. No matter the obstacle, I can stand and declare God's goodness and I can see God's goodness in the middle of the opposition. You know your life's a bit sad in terms of lawnmower, just confession time, that um, I now get serviced, like I now get my, my lawnmower serviced. Does anybody else do that or is that just me being sad? Yes, there's a couple of people. You all, the rest of you are losers. Get your, thing, get your things set, would you? I know, so it was basically a couple of years ago I said that to someone and I made a big mistake. I said, oh, what are you doing this week? Oh, I'm getting the lawnmower serviced. And they were like, are you having a laugh? You have become boring. Uh, so just confession time. But, you know, you, you have access to something far greater, folks, than what the world has. You have access to store it in your heart and it's more effective, it's more useful, it will help you in every situation and it's the Holy Spirit, the counselor inside of you that leads you to live a life of miraculous living. Must go. We've got five, ten minutes. The disciples could have been tempted after their preaching to not repeat the same outcome, so they would have avoided prison, avoided persecution. They could have been tempted to alter their preaching. They could have been tempted to not believe for the fullness of God. We'll just water this down a bit, so we don't get arrested. We'll just water this down a bit, and we'll just maybe not talk about Jesus rising from the dead. But they knew the power was there. The power is in that. Peter left the old mindset behind because he tasted something far greater. God wants to build bounce-back ability in you and he wants to shorten the distance between setback and bounce-back. There's another example of resilience. I want to read this story to you. It says, When the shaking started at 5.46 a.m., Mr. Itakura, an architect at a big Japanese construction company in Kobe, was sitting at his desk finishing a report he had toiled over all night His office swayed, but the books stayed on their shelves and nothing fell off his desk. I thought to myself, this earthquake is not that big, Mr. Itakura said. It was, in fact, catastrophic. The great Hanshin earthquake of January 17th, 1995, killed more than 6,000 people in and around the industrial port city. Mr. Itakura had been cushioned from the violence of the earthquake because his three-story building was sitting on an experimental foundation made from rubber, an early version of an engineering technique called base isolation. Now, lots of earthquakes happen in, in Japan. Conventional buildings, when they shake, they will, the ground will shake in an earthquake and they will shake with the ground. The more that they move, the more structural damage comes to these buildings. So the more movement underneath them, the whole thing shakes. The foundations are completely wrecked. And what happens is the building 
the more structural damage, the building is rendered completely dysfunctional. It doesn't necessarily fall over, but it's dysfunctional. You can't use it anymore. Conventional buildings are designed to take the damage, but they'll be at a point where they can't be used without major repair. The use of base isolators is like a shock absorber that your man was experiencing. It's a kind of steel and rubber. What it does is it isolates the building from the ground. So it raises it up ever so slightly so that the shock from the earthquake is taken through the rubber, taken through the steel, and it limits the movement of the building, causing less structural damage. This is what resilience is. When you build on the right foundation, when you build on the, somebody prayed in our prayer meeting, when you build on the rock, when you build on Jesus who's fixed you into place, he absorbs the shock from your setbacks so that there's limited movement in you. And you know what? Not just that you can survive the obstacle so that you can remain functional and immediately like the disciples, go straight back into preaching the goodness of God. The shock is limited. You have less structural damage than those whose foundation is not built right. You still experience the shock. You still know what happened. You still know that you experienced it, but you go again and you're functional. More people can be blessed through you. You go again and you keep declaring God's goodness. God wants to build bounce back ability in you. You don't just get through the shock, but you're immediately ready to go again and pour out his goodness to the world. That's what resilience is. Everyone who comes to me, this is Luke 6, everyone who comes to me and hears my words and does them, I will show you what he's like. He is like a man building a house who dug deep and laid the foundation on the rock. When the flood arose, the stream broke against that house and could not shake it because it had been well built. But the one who hears the words and doesn't do them is like a man who built a house on the ground without a foundation. When the stream broke against it, immediately fell and the ruin of that house was great. Dig deep, folks. Decide I'm going to keep going and I'm going to dig deeper on the foundation of the rock, on who Jesus says that I am, on who he says, what he's done for me, where he's taking me. Build on that foundation because what happens when the flood comes, when the storm comes, and it will come. Let's not kid ourselves. There'll be moments where we're tested. You will have limited shaking. You will be strong in the middle of that and ready to go the very next day. The worst thing and they say the worst thing that the apostles could have done after Jesus opens the door and says, you're free, was go home for a few days. The worst thing they could have done. They immediately went right back into the situation where they had been arrested because they trusted that him, he inside of them was greater than he who is in the world. They immediately went back to that situation and started again. Go again in grace. God says to you this morning, Go again in grace. Believe again in that area that you didn't believe in, that you had a setback in, that you're having difficulty in, that there's an obstacle in. Believe again that the Holy Spirit in you will pour out all of you, no matter what deficits you're facing, no matter what foundations have been shaken a little bit. Believe that God still has something in you to give to people, that he's got a fullness in you that overflows and you will still bless people. Even when you get sick, even when you struggle, even when you don't have the energy, even when you're tired, the Holy Spirit in you is greater than he who is in the world and God is still going to use you no matter where you find yourself. Do you believe that? No matter where you find yourself, God wants to use you. There's a quote from David Goggins. We've got five minutes here. The quote from David Goggins. Um, David Goggins is a former U.S. Navy SEAL. Um, he uh, accomplished lots of physical challenges, has a real incredible mindset about fortitude and keeping going. Now, he's not a believer, but he's captured something about fortitude and keeping going no matter what comes against you. He says, the call to become complacent will only grow louder until you silence it with a pattern of behavior that leaves no doubt about your mission. The call to become complacent, it'll only grow louder until you silence it with a pattern of behavior that leaves no doubt about your mission. God is calling you to shorten the time between your setback and your bounce back. Stand and declare that he is good all of the time and adopt a pattern of behavior. I've had a setback in this area, God, but I'm still declaring you're good. I've had a difficulty here. I'm still declaring you're for me. I'm still declaring nothing's impossible, even when you can't see it. Don't get complacent. Listen to the voice of God in all of this. 
I'll go very quickly. What happens in the story is um, a Pharisee stands up and sends the apostles out and basically says to them, I don't know what we're going to do with these guys, but let them alone because if this is of God, uh, you'll not be able to stop it. You won't be able to stop it. You'll find yourself actually fighting against God. I'll, I'll just go through that pretty quickly. I'll not talk about the verses. But what happens is they, they let them go. They counted themselves rejoicing, worthy to suffer dishonor for the name. And every day they go from, te from the temple, from house to house. They did not cease teaching and preaching that the Christ is Jesus. Why were the apostles not afraid? They were not afraid because they had vision in their life. They knew where God was taking them. As I said already, they knew that from Judea, Samaria to the ends of the earth, that's what he said, so that's where we're going. That's what the voice has said, so that's what I'm choosing to believe. I'm not choosing to believe that the prison's the end. I'm not choosing to believe that being beaten and last and set free, don't do that again. I'm not going to choose that that's the end. We keep going no matter what. Receive a fresh vision for your life. See if you're here, see if you're breathing. You are not done. God is not finished with you. God has fresh victories for you. He has fresh faith that he wants to build in you that you can see more of his goodness. You're still here. Say in your own heart, I'm still here. I'm still here and I may be clinging on at times, but I'm still here. It may be difficult for me at times, but I'm still here. I'm still believing. I'm on shaky ground sometimes, but I remain functional because he is my foundation. I'm still here. I'm still declaring I obey God rather than men. Says that they did not cease teaching and preaching that the Christ is Jesus. That'll be in verse, I think it's verse 42, if you can just throw that up. And every day they did not cease teaching, they did not cease going from house to house, preaching that the Christ is Jesus. God wants to step back into some old areas that you have lost a bit of belief in. He wants to build a bounce back ability in you. You had a setback in that area, but he wants to shorten that distance and go again. Believe again, dream again, because the Holy Spirit is in you. This is what set the tone for Acts 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10, 11. This is what set the tone. No matter what I face, the Holy Spirit is greater in me. So God wants to challenge, just as I finish, keep showing up every week in church, in your week, Monday to Friday, Monday to Saturday, whatever your week looks like, keep showing up and believing whenever the ground shakes underneath me, he is absorbing the shock. I may go this way like a palm tree, but I'm about to snap back into position. Some days I'll be an oak tree standing strong, don't feel a thing. Other days I'm moving with the wind, but I am still here. I am going to obey God. I'm going to trust him. And when I get it wrong, Jesus opens up the prison door and says, go again. Go again. Free yourself from the punishment mentality, folks, that you failed in this area, so you're a failure. You can't believe for this because of this has happened. Jesus says, go again. Believe again. Let's go again. And that's what he said to the apostles. So he wants to step back into those areas. You are free from punishment. Free from punishment from God. So let go of trying to control in the present. Let go of the fear and trust him for the now because that's when you'll walk into your future. Every obstacle is an, is an opportunity for growth, for increase, and for building your character. That's what he wants to build in you. Setbacks, setbacks are a part of the kingdom of God. It will happen, but God wants you to, it happens and you pivot and you go again. Straight away, you go again, because that's life in its fullness, and that's where you'll see more victory and more victory and more victory. Amen? Amen. Let me pray for you. Uh, stand on your feet if you can. You can give me some tunes. Um, I'm very well aware that when you, when, you, when you touch in that, you touch into setbacks, you touch into things that have happened in people's lives. The apostles, they were just getting started, folks. They had suffered setback. And as you know, in the book of Acts, they were going to suffer some more setbacks. But the reward was greater than what they were facing the goodness that they saw, the healings that they were about to see, the miracles that were about to be performed far outweighed anything that they would experience from the authorities, the obstacles. God has a future for you. And the future for you is not just to get through the obstacle, but it's to stand functional, resilient. Yes, it happened to me, 
But here I am, still believing, still saying he's good. And do you know what happens? That is an opportunity for everybody around you to see his goodness. As Stevie said as well, people knowing you're a Christian, that's incredible. You believe in God. They will see it on you when you decide that, yeah, I had a setback, but I'm going again. I'm believing again. I'm trusting again. Nothing is impossible for you. I may not have seen it yet, but you're still good. I may not be living it the way I wanted to, but I believe I will because you've told me I'm going to Samaria. I'm going to the ends of the earth. So if you're not finished yet, then he isn't finished with you. Father, thank you. You are building a strength in us, a bounce back ability no matter the setback. Shorten the distance, shorten the time between setback and bounce back. We choose If you believe this, church, choose with me. I choose to build my life on the words of Jesus. In the middle of the madness out there, in the middle of the madness in my own mind at times, I choose to believe and obey God and trust that you're with me, you're moving me forward. I may be moving at a slow pace, God. I may be crawling underneath an obstacle. I may be jumping over it. I may be going around it. I may be on a detour, but I'm still moving towards my purpose. I'm still moving I'm still going. I'm still here. Jesus, thank you that you opened the door for us. Long time ago, you opened the door and said, you're free and go and live free. Shorten the distance. Build strong resilience in us because you are good all of the time and we trust you for our future. Let the world see it. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 Folks, we... um, We've done communion, haven't we? Yeah, we have. Um, we are going to worship God. We're going to lift up our offering. I want to encourage you in your, your own um, mind, your own heart, respond during this song of worship. If that has touched something in you, respond to it. You know, declare who he is and keep declaring his goodness. Step back into the temple court and declare again, he's good.